1: It's uh, Roxanne Durhaj of Authentic Living with Roxanne. Thanks for tuning in again this week. Uh, today, I have a special guest, Marie Berges, and she's in Australia. So we were talking, she looks so lovely when I look at her, and it's six o'clock there. <laughs> so we, I'm so glad that you took the time to get up this early, to start your day a bit earlier uh, to be with us today. So thanks for being pleasure. here. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit about uh, Marie and w- her background, which is... Um, you know, at the time we had set this up, um, you know, we knew that there was an alignment, but obviously now with uh, different things going on, we thought that there would be a bit more um, affinity to certain things that we can discuss. Um, so she talks about team performance and organizational excellence being vital, and it's a must to engage people, projects and change specialists. Uh, she's a trainer, coach, facilitator, author and speaker uh, who particularly gu- practically guides leaders and their teams to create the culture you desire, and importantly, they want to be a part of, which greatly moves performance. She has run her business since 2003. So that's, a, that's a quite a long time. So you've been doing this kind of work. Um, what guided you to become involved in organizational consulting?
0: So it really, um, I've got a bit of an eclectic career because I actually started my working journey as a nurse in a major hospital here in Melbourne and then decided to take 12 months off and work in an office so I could work normal hours and not work shift work. And, of course, I never went back, to as you do, and I never went back to, to nursing because I just fell in love with the, the, the dynamic nature of being part of an organisation and then my, you know, my first experience of being part of teams that stayed together for a while because when you're hospital trained and nursing, you're in teams that change every four or five weeks or even daily because you're all rostered on and stuff like that. Um, so I spent a long time in in the corporate world and particularly in banking and uh, realised after having children and because I was working part-time, my role was getting narrower and narrower and I couldn't understand why I was so unhappy, which I'd never, never disliked any job I'd been in and, you know, did some, um, did some voluntary work within the organisation I was in at the time, learned some coaching, became part of, you know, supporting their graduate program and that's when I realised... That I was actually doing the wrong thing, and basically, what I wanted to do was start a coaching business, which has now morphed into to training and facilitating. Um, and the nice thing about that is, is it's it's not looking after the ill health of people, but it's very aligned to what I used to do as a nurse, which was to provide the best care and service that I that I could. So it's just become, it's not a natural pro- progression, but it felt very natural for for me to to move into this sphere, and. Having spent a long time in corporates and being part of a lot of teams, I was always perplexed around why people got stuck in teams that they and they were very unhappy, why leaders always and still do always have someone in their team pretty much that that is perceived as difficult um, and I just got really curious about that, so now I really specialise in how to help people create and be part of a team that they actually do want to be part of and actually enjoy going to work every day, even though they're not going to work at the moment because we're all working from home. Yeah. So you're going, getting
1: up, having your coffee, maybe your quick breakfast and you're going to your, your office or your living room that you've reconfigured into an office, which is yes. a, a change that uh, a lot of people have had to make full-time, you know, myself, same thing. I worked a lot from home, but now, you know, this is what I, where I am full-time. So let's, let's pivot back to what you talked about um why is it that oftentimes teams have one or maybe two people that create such dissension that's, that spins a team? Talk, speak yeah. a little bit to that because I'm sure most people, yeah. um, and I know I've been on many teams in my career where you could see it happening. Speak to a little bit about that and kind of what you know about that and what happens to people like that and how it impacts the teams.
0: Yeah. Look, there's just such a range of reasons why people don't fall into sync with the team or are disenchanted. So it could be they've just been part of the organisation for a really long time and they're jaded and they've seen a lot of change and it's almost like they're sitting there going, come on, we've seen this happen before, it didn't work then, why would it happen now? So there's a whole, there's a whole, you know, a lot of history around that and I work with a lot of organisations that even now with the turnover of people we have in organisations there's some people that have been in organisations for decades and uh, if they don't stay fresh and have that love of learning, they become, you know, as Carol Dweck calls it, have that fixed mindset and they just can't see mm-hmm. anything else. So that's, that's troubling. But then you can have a lack of trust. And I've always been part of great teams and always been part of the teams I was part of, except for one team, which was late in my corporate career, and I couldn't work out why we weren't working. Um, we just, you know, we were nice, nice to each other. It was very surface level stuff. But when um, when I did dive into it and we actually could find out what was going on, it was because um, there was two people in that team that actually distrusted each other and really didn't like each other, but they smoothed it over. So people, other people in the team couldn't see that. And so there was never any authenticity. So I love the fact that you look for authenticity in leadership or help provide that. Because if you don't have that, if you don't have trust, um, then you get clicks forming. So... You know, and again, seniority has a lot to do with it. So you get all the bad behaviour that can occur when people are very junior because they don't realise the impact on the people around them. Um, but as people get more senior, they can also behave really badly as well because they've all got their own agendas. Um, as people, we're slippery little suckers. And we, <laughs> we are not often open, authentic, transparent. And, and there's so much miscommunication how oh, people absolutely so and to your
1: point um you know i was I, i'm writing my second book on on the topic of authenticity and leadership and you know when you kind of look at it you know you look up to your leaders to give that be that guidepost to permissive behavior and unfortunately and i've been on teams you know um i was part of a hospital team Um, where I was entering as the leader and some of the behaviors on that team at time was quite infantile at best, Um, you know, but I, I think, you know, some of it was the fact that leadership prior to allowed a lot of nepotism and, you know, triangulation and didn't resolve conflicts that kind of permeated the teams. And it, it, it really, I, I, I think that's a lot of teams, and I don't know if you would agree, sometimes if leadership does not intervene in a way that digs out you know, the root of the dandelion, the toxicity really gains momentum, right? And then a lot of people get away with bad behavior, they put up with bad behavior, all those things. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you're going in to work with teams and you're going into an organization, Marie, what, how are you? Are you doing an organizational kind of snapshot of the teams you're working with prior to deciding to work with it, or how do you kind of, um, I'd want, how do you b- get brought into organizations to work with their teams?
0: Yeah. So, look, th- th- there can be a range of reasons, and at the moment, because um, I have such a focus on delegation, because because you're right, a lot of problems, um, there's two things we're really poor at. We're, we're poor at having difficult conversations, and we're very poor at asking what if questions. And so people would rather avoid having a conversation with someone that perhaps is troublesome or a couple of people who are not getting along, and just hope that it goes away. And it, as you said, it just festers and intensifies. And then that leader might move on to perhaps something more senior or move on to another organisation. And a new leader comes in and they inherit that bad behaviour. Mm-hmm. And and often that's their most challenging thing because suddenly they've got to have conversations that they weren't expecting in the sort of their first 90 days of being in a role because people just would rather avoid having that difficult conversation. So when I come into um, organisations, it's usually at the lead level where I'm doing one-on-one work with them, or as you said in in teams, um, sometimes, rarely, but sometimes I do work with whole organizations if they're sort of medium size. And the first thing I will do is if it's feasible, it's not always feasible if there's too many numbers, but have one-on-ones with each person that Mm -hmm. will be part of whatever I'm doing, whether it's a six month program or even if it's a one day workshop to go what's really going on. Mm-hmm. I guess I go in with a positive intent that um, I don't want to be seen as a fixer because I don't my, the toxic teams are the ones I don't want to work with because they're the hardest to move. I actually love working with performing teams and going, how can you do even better? And often it's just a few tweaks. Um, but yeah, during the one-on-one conversations, and usually they're only 20 minutes, but it's to find out what's the theme that's going on because everyone's got their own individual stuff. Mm-hmm. but what 's the theme going right around for that, or that that team, and you either bring it out and give it air or um, you give them some skills to do that themselves. Right, because sometimes,
1: like I, recently I was doing a bit of consulting and I was brought into an organization, but it was, a, there was, it was through a third party and, they, you know, they, like the CEO said, absolutely, bring her in. She has the expertise. We're willing to do whatever it takes and, you know, senior management's ready and, and we're just going to work with all our teams. And um, so I said, great. I said, so I wanted to do basically, and I'd reach out prior to to the senior teams, had really good conversations. I know there was a lot of, of change and, and things that weren't done well. So, uh, of course, what unfortunately, as I got going, what the, the CEO didn't, she didn't explicitly make um, her intentions made. She basically wanted to brush everything away. So here I am, I'm going in and talking to the teams about, okay, like, all right, so there's been a lot um, and things aren't going so well and things have not been so, done so well. However, where do we need to pivot to the future, giving them a bit of space to be able to air? Because they've been told that's my role, but let's kind of bridge and figure out the next step to get out of, of the storm. People were, um, I would say, they were quite forthcoming. But what ended up happening? It was unfortunately the reverberation of what the CEO wanted um, was. I don't like that they are bringing up things that they're contentious about. That's putting in them in the past. But she couldn't recognize potentially that really you know prior to making change you have to allow people that voice and I don't know if you would agree with that Marie to be able to say you know this was cruddy this was so horrible and blah 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 blah. and then eventually as they went on what happened is they kind of you know I often say that the dissenters rise to the top when when there's no more validity anymore once they've been put on that stage and what started to happen is eventually you know the real core concerns came out and the people that were just like, I, I'm going to say the 2% that just wanted to keep them there. Eventually people kind of start to look at them for what it was and they were ready to work. But unfortunately, the mm-hmm. alignment between where the CEO, her perception of things and where things needed to go was out of alignment. So needed, I didn't work with them full time. So yeah, it's, it's that's unfortunate at times, right? Um, because it, it would have meant a lot of work, long-term work, but it, it Regardless
0: of what the employees and the teams had been through, they were willing to work. Yeah. And look, that's the other thing. The, the, the person that says, come in and fix fix my team, um, but they actually really want to be hands off. Or you're right, they don't want to dive into, no, no, don't go back into the past um, because we don't need to go there. Well, actually, yes, you do. You've <laughs> got to get it out in the open. Right. It's going to cause angst and anxiety, but we've got to talk about this and then go, okay, time to move on. So Absolutely.
1: Right. So I think, uh, you know, in retrospect, because it was a third party, I, I figured I my due diligence, I would shifted how I approach things now when there's a third party to make sure that I get the proper information that I need to prior to going in. You know? yeah. So yeah. let's, so obviously the basics that we know with teams is that they need to experience their team members as being transparent and to your point about leadership they also need to be able to experience that with their senior leadership that's running the team so let's say that's in place and let's talk a little bit more about your your sweet spot or your your super uh power which is delegation and talk about what are some of the core elements that leaders need to
0: have or acquire to be a good delegator yeah so you know, research that I've done shows that 28% of us are actually trained in delegation, um, because it's just perceived as something that that we can do. But when people actually really think about it, they say, actually, we're not that very good at it. And really does come back to a whole, there's a whole range of reasons, there's stuff going on for us around why we don't want to delegate from. Um, my team are too busy. Um, uh, I don't know what to delegate. I'm fearful that if I delegate something, they will do it really badly. Um, or they'll do it so well that it'll make me look badly because it used to be my role. Uh, so there's a whole whole lot of fears that prevent people from, from delegating or beliefs that they have around, around their team. Um, sometimes they just do because they think it's faster to just get on and do it. It'll, it takes too long to, to train people. And sometimes they'll try to delegate and the team will go, that's not my job, and they'll push mm-hmm. back.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And... I guess my my sweet spot is middle management. So I look at middle management leaders who are either new to leading a team and so have never had to delegate and helping them understand what they need to do and how they need to do it. Because it's more than just handing tasks over. There's there's all of these leadership components which we've touched on, authenticity, trust, communication, um, building relationships uh, and so on. One of the first things I get people to do, and I actually did this with a, you know, for the first time with a really senior leader a couple of years ago in an organisation who had stepped into a more senior role, into the C-suite. And I, and I was thinking, gosh, what will we start with? What will I do? And I thought, I know, we'll just work out what's on the plate for her first 90 days. That'll take the first 10 minutes and then we'll get into a good conversation. Well, 90 minutes later, we're still putting up things on her huge whiteboard around what was on her plate. And that's when I realised that we've got to look and it was a matter of, and we didn't, you know, it wasn't 90 minutes worth of this, 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 this. It was actually, what about this and tell me more about that. It was conversation as we went. And when we both looked at that list, it was then be able to stand back and go, actually, that is something I can park. That is something that, that doesn't need to be done for another six months. And the list became much more feasible. The other issue was there was no team in place to delegate anything to so that had to be built up as well. So even doing that task audit, which which is the first thing I get people to do, is sometimes enough to lighten the load or to make people to realise this is what I can pass on. And the things you can pass on are things that you don't need your absolute expertise to be able to do, but also understanding because when people step up into a new role, they'll often keep doing the activities that they used to do in their old role because they could be part of the same team because it's stuff they're really good at and that's why they got promoted. Mm. And they find it hard to let go of what they're really good at because then they feel threatened because they're doing stuff they're not so good at, which is leading. Mm. So it's helping them do that step up. and I call it right level management. So if their leader steps up, but they're still operating here, they're pushing all their team down. So everyone's operating at the wrong level. Um, and if it's throughout the organization, that's a huge issue. So how to get them to step up and and delegate the tasks that they used to do. So that's yeah, That would be my first tip is to say, what is on your task list? And what are you, what are you still doing that you shouldn't do? And asking yourself the question, if not, you know, look at it, look at something you're about to do. If not me, who else could do this? Mm. I like, I
1: like the, the concept about comfort really, because, um, if you're stepping up a level, you know, we all like comfort and safety to feel competent if you think about it. Um, but not thinking, you know, if you're thinking of a leader, you're not thinking that they're struggling with that. But I'm thinking about in my leadership roles, I think I, I, I ran a, um, an addiction unit at a hospital as, you know, one of my first management roles. And, you know, I was quite young also uh, those types of things, but I worked with another leader and he was so, um, kind of lost in being liked that he did everything that, that his team wanted. So he went from being one of the team members to being the team lead. And, and I would look at it and I would say like, but you know, that particular filing situation is not your, you know, that's your, your, your expertise and your value is being lost there, you know, but he was, you know, more interested in perceiving this as connection versus recognizing that in fact, he wasn't showing people, you know, the value of what he had been promoted to.
0: Which is, which is sort of one of the other things I focus on. Uh, and in the white paper that I'm happy to offer people, which is a mindset audit, which is what is it that you're doing that that either you shouldn't be doing or that you have beliefs about. And, and one of them is it, it's, I often say that that it can be so challenging to step up from within your team. So your your manager or your supervisor had stepped up and and left the peers behind because suddenly he's leading them and he wants the relationships to stay the same mm-hmm. and they just can't. Right, right. And
1: I think you know uh, you know this part we're well, thinking about it for, deli- for from an element I think every level you go up my perception is that you can't keep the connections in the organization. So I said, I always say, you know, you level up, then you have less connection, then you level up, and then you get to the CEO where the CEO needs to go outside of the organization, That's it. which is, which is a lonely place to be. Right. Because as human beings, ultimately we know that you have the skill and the capacity and the personality and the acumen to do that role. But when you're up there and you're having a tough day, it's like, help anybody. <laughs> you can't go to the level under. You have to be able to, um, and that's where, you know, senior coaching and executive coaching becomes very, very vital. Yes, um, absolutely. But it's, it, it's, it's a tough thing, and I've seen people go through it, and they struggle because they you know, they're still wanting to maintain those connections, especially in smaller communities and things like that too, where you might see the, you know, your managers or your SVPs at the hockey rink or the soccer field or whatever. And then you're still having to maintain that
0: certain level of acumen, even though you're outside of work. That's right. And and the number of people that I work with who uh, go, but I used to be best friends with this person. We used to socialize together And we've had, and now this thing's happened. And it's because, you know, sorry, you've stepped up. You're now leading them and you have to behave differently.
1: So let's, so let's talk a little bit about um, in this time. And, you know, I, you know, I think we'd be a bit remiss to not, you know, acknowledge that uh, being a leader is a, a subset of a skill that I think some people are, just naturally come into it a little bit better but obviously with skill and development enhancement people get it um but the shift in what how we've you know you're in australia and i'm in canada and we're basically you know we're doing the same types of things we're all having to manage from home so delegation virtually let's talk a little bit about Mm. that and um what kind of thing, I'm, I'm just thinking, is probably a bit of the Wild Wild West out there potentially for people that have never or haven't acted as teams remotely as their kind of their modus operandi. Yeah. So wh- what are some of the things that you've heard or you've seen or you think that teams
0: would be experiencing right now virtually with the element of delegation? Yeah, and, and it's interesting when, you know, so many organisations do work, well, previously work flexibly and now absolutely have to. And, but, but working flex speed is like, oh, you can work a day from home or you can work from somewhere else, mm. whereas now it is literally you're out of the office. And that has, I guess that has lifted the, you know, the visibility of whether you're good at delegating or not or what your leadership is like <clears throat> or what your team is like. Um, because then a whole new range of fears come into place because people you used to be able to see every day, so you could actually see what they were doing. Now they're at home and you can't see it. And that's not to say, in fact, people are busier at home, I'm finding, than when they used to be at work, which I'll I'll come back to. Um, But suddenly people who were in the office and were perceived as pretty good at perhaps delegating and leading um have lost that element of control which is visibility of what the the team are doing and that raises a bit of fear and then when we get a bit of fear from a neuroscience perspective we get sort of cortisol entering our system which makes us feel stressed and then we start to operate differently and then we get this domino effect of what's going on so things that are happening um out of the workplace but while people are still working are things like we've got People who used to walk out the front door and, in, and then travel to their office, so there was that commuting time, and they would be away from their family are now working with their family. And all of the challenges that that brings in, if you've got young children, if you've got school-aged children or children in secondary school or even college, suddenly the dynamics of how you're working have changed just because you've got different people around you. And suddenly you have to sort of show that you actually do have a real job because all they do is see you sitting <laughs> at the and really, what are you doing? We can't play video games all day. The other thing that's happening is people are spending more time on video conferencing than ever, ever, ever mm-hmm. before, um, which I love because they are, they are getting that face-to-face um, thing. But, but again, there's research emerging that we get this cognitive dissonance happening because when I'm talking to you on a computer screen, it looks like we're together but we know there's this, there's this dissonance that actually we're not really. Right. And so that takes up bandwidth of our brain, which again is a bit exhausting. So people who previously could say, hey, Bob, tell me about the results from blah, 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 and they're sitting next to them, now have to set up you know, an instant message or set up a Zoom time to have that conversation. And so they're doing more, they're spending more time looking at a computer screen, talking to people, And they're starting earlier because they've lost their commute time and they're going Mm. later. And now Mm. because their computer is at home, probably always was, but now it's accessible so much. And they're used to working from that table in the lounge room or if they have an office. They're also doing, you know, stuff at night when they may not have previously and stuff on weekends. So it's actually concerning for me from a a health perspective that that Mm. people are doing a lot more work But they're also doing work that creates a cognitive load on our brain because we've got this dissonance about what's real and what's not. Um, So that's, I think, a a bit of an issue without even looking at all the people that have, you know, which is sort of separate completely to what we're saying, but who have lost their jobs and there's that pressure of, there's that added pressure of, will I have a job in a week Mm, if you do still have a job? So there's a lot of stress going on for people at the moment. And if leaders also have that stress of what are my team doing they can easily fall into the micromanagement aspect of instant messaging all the time checking all the time how are Mm -hmm. you going with because they're not seeing it so they've got to check all the time so it's putting it's putting stress on people and so i i try to go as quickly as possible and now we're sort of three or probably is it three weeks three weeks into um social distancing. Uh, people now are falling into a rhythm. so now's the time to go get back into a work-based operating rhythm. Set your day, time of day that you're going to work, make sure you have breaks and bring, and bring back some control in how you're operating. Set up a structure that might be the same or a bit different to how your team, how you used to work with your team if you had a weekly meeting, have a weekly meeting if you had mm-hmm. daily stand-ups, still find a way to have those daily standups. So try to recreate it, knowing it's not going to be the same um, and get back to some sort of normal operating rhythm or put some rules around the fact of how you operate.
1: So that makes, that makes so much sense, right? Because I think you're right. Like it was, you know, March 15th here. And then we were like a tumbleweed to use your, uh, your, your familiar, familiar kind of space and now you're right, because people are just like, okay, we're calibrating. We know this has been four weeks in. We might have another two months to go. All right, okay, well, this is our reality. And people are learning things like Slack and, and, and Loom and, yeah. and, and Zoom and, and breakout rooms and all that stuff and Zoom overload. So I would think, yeah, you're right, because that FaceTime was maybe there more often. So managers have to manage their stress. And how they're coping, so that they're what they're filtering down to their teams. Yeah, and yeah. I could I would think on the employee end, and I don't know if you would agree with this, Marie, but also maybe the the teams at home are worried about how they're being perceived about functioning. So maybe they're hyper functioning because they're concerned when when everybody catches their breath and we go back and we start to look at the KPIs and stuff like that. Will I be under the microscope because of how I functioned at home? Yes. Yeah.
0: And, look, I, I hope there's a lot of slack even for, um, for teams and people and individuals and leaders. Well, when we, I, mean, I was going to say when we get back to normal, who knows what getting back to normal even looks right. like. Right, right. Um, because we are in, like, we, I don't know about calendar, but here in Australia we are absolutely going to go into a recession. Our unemployment rate is going to skyrocket. And so um, we have to have some forgiveness because it could be even survivor guilt because people still have jobs. So absolutely. that you know, there's a you know whole heap of things that we've we've got to make sure that um, we find ways to keep business going because we absolutely have to, mm-hmm. but also do it in a way that there's a lot of forgiveness in there as well. So yeah, look, I think performance reviews. Maybe this is the year that we'll be able to get rid of them. Woohoo! Look, everybody's oh, my probably. My- no. <laughs> You know, everyone's like, oh, no,
1: performance review time. You know, when you're in corporate, you're like, oh, okay, it's just a conversation. It's no big deal. But we know that everybody, nobody liked them, (laughs) right? So maybe maybe this would be the year of, okay, we're not going to have those. But I I would see that, um, yes, absolutely, delegation would be the skill of the leader is being challenged as much as the skill of the team and the, and the state, the state of the, the leadership and the, and the teams and that relationship, whatever you kind of took in person and took at home, it, it was the same. It's it's a, it's in a space then that you, now you're like, all right, we, we had conflict. We had disagreements. We had unresolved concerns, all that stuff, but now we're not even seeing each other. And to your point, I'm reading you Marie, but if I, if I have an issue with you, and I'm having to still kind of work with you, and nobody was resolving it. And it's going to be harder, even even more so, I would think, to work
0: through it. Far easier right.
1: yeah. to
0: avoid that difficult conversation.
1: Right, because I can kind of make sure that I'm kind of clocking in when you're clocking out. But now it's like, oh, no, you have to be able to talk to Roxanne at least once a week to check this out, those types of things. So I think um, you know, it's, it po- probably poses some difficulties, but also. I'm going to say that on the on the flip side of things, it probably is teaching us a lot about what we're maybe not wanting to have dealt with before we're being forced to deal with.
0: So, you know, it's kind of like putting on our big girl pants and saying, okay, <laughs>
1: yeah. I have to, I look, to work yeah. together.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think a lot of good things are coming out of this and there's, there's a lot of um, willingness to work together and to get on and do work. So it's absolutely not all doom and gloom and there's some amazing things happening out there. And, you know, we keep saying change is difficult and yet it seems like everyone stepped into this new mode of reality and just getting on with it. So I'm, I'm really impressed. I would think so. And I think, you know, it's, it's a global issue. It's not,
1: and then you look around and you see how much um, as communities You know, here, I'm sure as in Australia also, um, you know, everybody's putting out little teddy bears in their windows or the kids are, you know, doing chalk signs and all these, all these phenomenal things. And it shows you, you know, the capacity that we have as human beings when we just de everything and just really look about, you know what, look, I'm safe. My family's safe. There's food. Um, You know, we have enough to be able to sustain. There's toilet
0: paper. (laughs)
1: yeah of all the ridiculousness we have to you know and uh, I think it, it is really bringing us to a point where really we see that so much similarity with each other and I hope that that in turn plays in to the element that we're all in this together we're all human beings and we all have the same worries and the same needs and the same um you know things that make us happy and those types of things so potentially from a, a business perspective I would hope that you know and I think it truly will have, will have shifted us because now we, we are looking at what's important.
0: Yes, yeah. and, and hopefully finding the stuff, going back to, to work, finding the stuff that actually we don't need to do anymore and we can become more efficient. Mm, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. So for anybody out there that's,
1: um, that's saying they're a team, they've gotten their feet wet, they're out of the crises, and they're functioning, but um, but the leaders wanting to kind of create a li- little bit more synergy in their teams. Um, what kind of things would you say that would be some things that they could potentially look at implementing? Maybe say a bit at a time in the next month.
0: Mm. Definitely look at their operating rhythm. How how are they operating day to day, and what sort of boundaries have they put in place for themselves? Um, Are they making sure they're staying in touch with all of their team? So uh, just because someone seems to be absolutely fine and you can just you know set and forget, don't because you do need to check in. Really look at you know that that task audit and then go. There's so much here I don't need to do because that's often the case. Or there's so much here that that I can give other people to do because I think we also because again we don't know how long this will go on. So we also want to be able to make sure that we're keeping people engaged and enthusiastic about what they're doing. So making sure that you're giving, if you are delegating, that you're giving them stuff that they're actually going to um, thrive with or learn from or be challenged by in a positive way. And and just check in, how how are they going? Because we've been talking about leading and leading teams, but it's also managing up as Mm -hmm. well. So making sure that you're checking in with your boss, Um, making sure you've got a line of communication and a operating with them because they've got their own stresses as well. So um, no one has the answers. So look out for each other.
1: Yes. And I, I go back to communicate, 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 just like you're realigning the tasks and at this level, how are you having that conversation, you know, one step up or two steps up to ensure that there's alignment with how You know that information is going up, but also coming back down, so that you could kind of look at really what are the unnecessary. We got to throw that stuff out, and we probably should never bring it back. What kind of things do we have to be more relaxed about? And really, I think at this point it's more about look, we're fine, we're doing well. Um, Okay, these are the things that have slipped. What what should we focus more on? And maybe what can we learn? Right. So I think it's in a way you're being forced to to have that ultimate work-life balance to some degree. (laughs) You know, I've been doing, uh, you know, work with clients and somebody comes flying in the room and they say, hold on a second. (laughs) Somebody's, you know, TV show just went on pause and they had to go out and come back. So I think just having that whole sense of um, balance as much as we can and accepting that, you know, we'll we'll get through this um, Mm. and we're going to learn so much from it. So Marie, this has been uh, fantastic. Um, I think, uh, hopefully, I know I have learned a lot of things uh, from today, and I'm sure that anyone listening has uh, done the same. Now, for anybody that would want to have you speak or, or potentially coach with you for their, uh, their leaders or even their teams, Um, I know we're going to put a link to a white paper that uh, Maria has written on a delegation, which I think will be a a fantastic resource. Where can people reach you? And any last words of wisdom before I let you go?
0: Thank you, Roxanne. This has been a pleasure. We could be chatting for ages, I think. Um, So yes, I'll, I'll give you the link for my delegation white paper. It's the seven steps to go from doer to delegator. If people do want to find out more about developing their own delegation skills or building some building that into their team skills i do one-on-one coaching for for leaders but i also do um team sessions and that's now all online now i have a half day delegation workshop or even a 90 minute webinar that that gives people a a good good space Um, people can email me at mari which is m-a-r-e-e at mari burgess.com and i'm sure the the links will be in your show notes and all of my other links with LinkedIn and, or Facebook or anything like that. And I, I guess my last tip would be, you know, be kind. So we, we don't need bad behaviour at this stage. So, you know, just be kind to everyone that you're interacting with.
1: I like that. Just be kind. You know, this, uh, I say so long, so long as we, you know, like each other, we get to know each other, which we're having opportunities to do. Um, trust comes. And with trust, you know, what happens is that lots of things that used to bother us before, when you rebuild that relationship, we let so many things go because you go, oh, I can see from a different light now. So that's what I talk about. It's about, you know, be aware. How am I interfacing? Is there things that I'm doing that's bothering someone that I have to take responsibility uh, for to take those steps to be able to think, you know, I'm not like this about this person, but what is it my, they might not like about me? And how can I maybe meet that person a bit further along so that we can engage in a different way? And being at home, um, you know, we all have more pressures and to recognize that because that person on the other end of that video is also doing the same kinds of things you are. So this is Roxanne Dur-Hodge. Uh Thanks so much for tuning in again and Marie for getting up at such a, I'm going to say, godly hour but it's it's probably close to the beginning of your day anyway and uh if you're needing any information on mental health and wellness and authenticity uh you can go to my website it's roxanderhodge.com there's a link for a course that you could uh, do on relationships which will help you to better lead in whatever way that you need to